Hey everybody, happy snow day to you all. I hope you uh, had a great time outside uh, building snowmen and making snow ice cream and sledding. I, I hope you stayed away from the yellow snow at all costs. Uh, but here, I'm going to give you a little bit of church outside of church for this week. Uh, and so I want to start by telling you guys a story. I want to tell you a story about two friends of mine. Uh, and uh, this happened a long time ago, so please uh, forgive us for the things that we've done. Uh, but what happened was uh, we were sitting there at this bar, and uh, we stayed at the bar maybe a little too long. And uh, next thing I know, one of my friends picks up a knife that the bartender is using to uh, cut limes. And he picks up this knife, and he tells my other friend, he says, Hey, spread your fingers apart. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to uh, use this knife and stab you in between each of your fingers. I am that good. And my friend, uh, uh, my other friend said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And so my one friend picked up the knife and proceeded to stab my friend right in the thumb. Stabbed him right in the thumb, tore his ligaments. My friend needed stitches. And uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. My friends have done some pretty ridiculous things. This ranks up there with them. And so what happened was, is my one friend, the friend who got stabbed in the thumb, he actually had to go to the hospital, he had to get surgery, and he had to go through rehab on this thumb because my friend stabbed him in the finger. And so he, he says that the first day he goes into his rehab room uh, and he walks in and there are, you know, people learning how to walk again. And there are people learning how to, uh, you know, um, speak again. There are people learning how to put on clothes again. There are people that are in rehab for some very serious things. And he says, here he is with this busted thumb that, that, you know, just finished surgery and can't bend. And he said, what he did is he put on his headphones and Kelly Clarkson was on. It was the song, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. There's my attempt at singing it. And he said he just started bending that thumb back and forth. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It'd be so much better if you could see it. Um, but just picture this guy sitting there with his headphones on, hearing this song, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger, bending his thumb back and forth while everybody else has, has real life and death situations taking place. Um, and what's my point in telling you this story? Well, my point in telling you this story is this. Uh, what doesn't kill you makes it stronger is a mantra that many of us live by. Right? We love the idea that what doesn't kill us makes us better human beings. I mean, I guess that's kind of true. I mean, the truth is that uh, Kanye West has said it, Britney Spears has said it, there's been plenty of people that have said what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But do you know who the first person was to say this? The first person to say this was actually Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, Nietzsche is a famous philosopher, an atheist, and he wrote this in his book called The Twilight of Idols. I'm going to give you the exact quote that he uses. He says, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. Now, it's a pretty inspirational quote, I'm not going to lie, um, but here's the thing. Nietzsche was not talking about tendons in your thumb. He wasn't talking about losing a job. He wasn't even talking about a bad breakup. He wasn't talking about any of those things. What he was literally saying is, hey, we are part of an evolutionary chain, and if what does not kill us, what does not eat us, actually makes us stronger, moves us faster and better and bigger up this evolutionary chain. He's using this very literally. What literally doesn't kill us will make us stronger. 
It'll make us more powerful. And what happens is that shows in our amygdala. We have this part of our brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala is where all of our emotions and all of our feelings and where everything else lie. And what Nietzsche is saying is that when something doesn't kill you, your amygdala becomes stronger. You sense danger. You sense fear. You are more aggressive. That's what happens when something doesn't kill you. Here's another way to talk about what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Other people say might makes right. Might makes right. I love it. It's wonderful. I, I, I think we love the idea of might makes right. Might makes right is the ultimate revenge fantasy. It's when all those feelings in our amygdala come through and we're aggressive towards somebody who has hurt us. Uh, might makes right. Have you seen the movies um, uh, Django Unchained? Or Inglorious Bastards. I feel like Quentin Tarantino is great at this whole revenge might makes right idea. Uh, I've been uh, a little backed up on uh, King uh, Game of Thrones, and uh, I just finished watching the episode. And complete spoiler here, so just shut this off for a second. I watched the episode where where King Joffrey dies, and I'm like, yes, that's a good thing. Might makes right. Kill that guy. He's awful, right? We get psyched up. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Might makes right. We're going, to, we're going to beat down those who have hurt us. We're starting from the bottom, but we're rising to the top. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Might makes right. right? We have this idea. It's our, part of our human condition. It's the accumulation of power. Okay? Now, here's the deal. We're in the Beatitudes and today I'm talking specifically about uh, the beatitude that says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That's the beatitude I'm going to use today. Blessed are the merciful, for they should be shown mercy. You know, and, and I read this beatitude, and it's empowering. It's incredible. Um, but I think probably if we were to sum up all of this might makes right talk and everything else, we might have a beatitude instead that says, you're blessed when you're assertive, aggressive, hungry, or thirsty for higher status and responsibility. But instead, the beatitudes say, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Okay, what are we going to do with this? Well, I think the most interesting thing, and the thing that I, I have found more than anything else, is like Jesus comes, right? And, and he's giving the Beatitudes. And what he's basically saying is, I'm making an announcement. And this announcement is, is the way that God operates in this world, okay? I'm telling you all the ways that God operates. I'm telling you all the ways that God thinks. And he starts saying, blessed are, blessed are. He says, you want to know who God is? Listen to me. And he says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, which means God's fingerprints are all over mercy. Okay, they're all over it. So instead of like trying to accumulate power and might is right and what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, God is saying in my kingdom, the currency is the fact that you're withholding power. The currency is the fact that you're working together. The good stuff is in your ability to forgive instead of try to make right through might. The truth of the matter is you are stronger when you're willing to look at that thing that says, I'm going to kill you, and you say, I forgive you, I love you anyway. That's what creates more strength. Way easier said than done, if you ask me. Way, way easier said than done. But, but here's the deal. And this is the deal. We are such complicated beings. We are such complicated spiritual beings. And the more that I look at things like our amygdalas and our brains and our physical selves... 
the more I see what Jesus is talking about when he talks about blessed are the merciful, the more I see uh, this currency of God or what God values when God says blessed are the merciful. You see, I recently came across a study by a psychologist and researcher. His name is Noam Spencer, okay? And he did this series of studies and he found uh, this, these results that are incredibly fascinating. Here's what he found. He found that, that those who show less mercy, okay, those who follow this idea of might makes right, uh, those who were willing to reach goals with less than pure me- methods, and those who are basically living by the old adage, what doesn't kill me makes uh, me stronger, uh, their brains uh, actually did the exact opposite. The behaviors that they showed, while deemed outwardly strong, actually made them weaker human beings, This was a study that was done. The might makes right. What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. I'm going to get ahead no matter what. Actually created weaker human beings, weaker brain activity, weaker brain waves. You know, developmental research in this same study shows that traumatized children are more, not less likely to be traumatized again, which means, you know, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. No, what doesn't kill me actually makes me weaker and more fearful makes it harder to live life. In this same study, they did uh, another test where they measured activity in the amygdala, the part of that brain, and uh, they they, uh, showed calm faces and angry faces to 200 different people. Now, some of those 200 people were from all over the country, and the other part of the 200 people lived about a mile and a half from the World Trade Center. And here's the thing, those who lived a mile and a half from the World Trade Center had significantly higher amygdala activity, fearful activity, traumatized activity um, compared to those people who lived away from the World Trade Center. Here's what Noam Spencer says about this, and I found this in Psychology Today. He said, Our findings suggest that there may be long-term neurobiological correlates of trauma exposure even in people who are resilient. So let's put that in, in regular language. People who appear to be resilient... People who appear to be stronger because something didn't kill them are actually in really bad shape. Trauma is pretty difficult. I'll give you one more story, one more anecdote. There's a study done by an anti-terrorist group in Israel, uh, and it was a study with canine dogs. And so someone asked the unit commander of these canine dogs where where these vicious attack dogs are found. And this is what the commander said. He said, most people believe wild street dogs make the best anti-terrorist dogs because they've survived the dog-eat-dog world of the mean streets. But the truth is just the opposite. Street dogs are useless. They're unpredictable. They're not trainable. It's the dogs that have been well cared for and loved and protected. Those are the best anti-terrorist dog candidates. Are we interested? Are we seeing what I'm getting at here? We've seen what I'm getting at. This might makes right. What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. The idea of trying to get ahead no matter what actually produces trauma in our brains. It actually hurts us. We actually become weaker human beings. This is what happens, okay? This is what happens. Noam Spencer ends with this. He says, A lack of mercy, intentional mayhem, and chaos do not toughen you up. They do not prepare you to deal with the terror of this world. Tender love and care can toughen you up because they nurture and strengthen your capacity to learn and adapt. 
including learning how to fight and learning how to adapt to later hardship. So basically, all this to say, when we let go of the idea that might, might makes right, and when we start to live out the beatitude, or blessed of the, are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, the Spirit of God is literally at work in our brains. The Spirit of God is literally working to produce peace and unity and love that reflects the goodness and grace of God. Do we get that? When we actually stop with the idea of might makes right, and we start to show mercy towards people, we start to withhold power, we start to love those people, we start to forgive those people, the Spirit literally works in our brains to bring peace and unity and love that reflects the goodness and grace of God. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Wow. Um, You know... Uh, it, it sort of makes sense. Paul says something in Corinthians. It says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. Like now I sort of get that, right? The foolishness of God is, is wiser than human wisdom. It'd be foolish for us to think that, that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. It'd be foolish for us to think that that might doesn't make right. But as we see, we become people more attuned to the kingdom of God. We bring wholeness and fullness when we actually live out this counterintuitive idea that blessed are those who are merciful. It's pretty amazing. Paul gets it. We get it. We understand that the Beatitudes uh, that seem so impossible and unbelievable and foolish, they're actually the Holy Spirit working in us. They're changing our idea of power and they're making things new. So what do I want us to do with that? Alright, I'm going to tell you. I think there's two things. If we are going to practice mercy, right, and mercy is is withholding power and showing goodness to others, then we have to give up the idea that life is all about us, okay? We got to give up the idea that life is is about only us, because if life's about us, then of course might makes right. We're working to get ahead, and if life is all about us, then we probably don't want to show mercy to those people unless we're getting something for it. If life is all about us, then showing mercy actually gets in the way of our goals. And if we're really going to live out this counterintuitive gospel, we need to understand that life is not about us. Your goals, they're not the world's goals. If something feels great, we don't keep doing it. The church services that you go to, you have to remember, you might not like it, you might not agree with it, you might not feel like it matters all the time, but we're not here to do church for, you know, so that you can feel better. We are selfish, selfish people. And the first thing we have to realize is if we're going to show mercy, we need to move from selfishness to selflessness. We need to stop saying that life is all about us. And that includes me. I struggle with that too, big time. And when we open ourselves up from being selfish to selfless, we create a world that's better equipped. We adapt easily. We're able to see the places where mercy needs to be shown. We're able to create partnerships that allow uh, for people's brains to change and move through the Holy Spirit. We're able to fight challenges together. We're able to sacrifice our own goals to see others thrive. We're able to like delay gratification because we realize maybe getting that thing we want right now isn't the thing that's going to bring us wisdom. As a church, we're in this together. We're in this to show mercy to one another. Here's what I promise you. I promise that we are not always going to be great for one another. I promise you that I'll say something you don't like. 
promise that the church will hurt us in some way. Someone in the church will hurt us in some way. I promise that's the case. But the truth of the matter is when we show mercy and we decide to go at it together, we literally become kingdom-changing people. That happens. So I was stuck in Miami last week, and I say stuck. It was terrible. Uh, it wasn't terrible. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, and um, I was driving behind somebody, and somebody in Florida had this this you know car, and on this car there were uh, a bunch of bumper stickers about you know my guns, my freedom, and you know. Uh, bumper stickers, one said uh, Barack O, and then it said BS, but it said the full word, um, which I thought was interesting, right? And, and then another one, uh, you know, this bumper sticker that said, uh, uh, I thought this was, was kind of messed up. It said, I'm the one that Allah warned, or I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. That's what the other bumper sticker said. And, and, you know, regardless of the way we feel about politics and all this stuff, about guns, about wars, uh, and, and all the rest about the job Barack Obama's doing, um, I thought these, you know, needless to say, they're, they're kind of offensive, right? Kind of offensive bumper stickers. And I want to uh, just be honest. I want to confess and tell you exactly how I felt, okay? Uh, I, you know, was in a car, you know, just with the driver. I didn't say anything else, but... I was like, this person in front of me is flat out racist. This person in front of me is a complete idiot. I need to talk for 20 minutes with this person in front of me because they need to change. They need to get it right. What a jerk. Those were the thoughts that went through my head. And if I'm being really, if I'm being really, really, uh, um, I'm honest with you. Um, I want my view to persevere. I was like, this guy needs to understand that my views are way better than his, and I'll fight this guy until he understands that's the case. I'll argue with him toe-to-toe until he gets the fact that he is wrong. And that was the way I felt. And why shouldn't I feel that way when you say Barack OBS and you say I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about and you say, like, my guns, my freedom or whatever? Like, why shouldn't I feel that way? I mean, I am smarter. I'm better. I'm mightier. I'm right. That's how I felt. Uh, You know... I was talking with somebody who's quick becoming a mentor to me. His name is Mark Tidd, and he has a church out in Denver, Colorado. And this is what he says. Um, And I was reminded of this when I saw this guy's bumper stickers. He says, who are we? Who are we to have received such kindness and mercy from God and yet have the capacity to dismiss someone so easily? Who are we? to have received such kindness and mercy from God and yet have the capacity to dismiss someone so easily. And I can't say I did this at the time, but I went home and I thought about this person that I'm utterly opposed to. I thought about this person with those bumper stickers on their car and I sat awake and I thought, you know what, that person sits awake just like I'm sitting awake right now, feeling powerless. And that person, they want to be loved just like I want to be loved. And that person, that person feels insecure just like I feel insecure. That person, they fail just like I fail. That person, they've experienced loss just like I've experienced loss. That person wants to protect themselves the same way I want to protect myself. That person's going to die 
I am going to die too. It turns out that we have a lot in common, me and that bumper sticker guy. But here's what this beatitude message shows us. Shows us there's a tremendous grace that comes with saying, it's not all about me. It's not all about me. And when I'm shown mercy by God, I'm able to show mercy to someone like this guy, bumper sticker guy. I'm able to create unity with my enemy. I'm able to show mercy to someone I never thought I'd show mercy to. I'm able to live counterintuitively with someone who I have very little in common with. I'm able to have a pure heart and pure intentions. And through the power of Holy Spirit, when I believe this and live this out, blessed are the merciful, and I put that first, I'm able to bring about, physically bring about, the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy.